Welcome to Career Tools. Today's cast, Airline Travel Basics Number 1, Part 1. Today is the first part of a two-part show on basic recommendations regarding airline travel for professionals. Here we go. Well, I always like talking about travel because you are indeed the travel master. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. Well, you travel a lot, so you know something uh, about it. And, you know, we were talking earlier about this atomization of the workplace and commuting going away, apparently, because of telecommuting and having virtual teams and virtual software and webcams and telepresence stuff and conference calls and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, making life a lot easier for everyone. But with all that, we end up doing even more travel than we used to. <laughs> and and yeah. for those who don't know how to do it well, it can be terribly painful. Yeah, people talk about it. Companies have gotten better at focusing on making work better for individuals. But for those of us who travel, the world getting flatter, you know, Tom Friedman's book, The World is Flat, and plane flights, being everywhere and and uh, business being global slash international and so on, the global village. Well, I don't know about you. I don't even know why we're talking about this because I know when I got into the workplace, um, my boss sat me down and really, it must have been probably a combination of maybe two or three hours uh, worth of conversation and mentoring about how to travel, you know, how to travel effectively. I'm sure you got that as well, right? Yeah, I, I, actually, I, I got the little mini course. They flew me to New York, and I stayed in the Plaza Hotel. It was five days. You know, I was introduced to all the airline executives, and, you know, really, they really treated me well. That's because yeah. you're special. Yeah. Right. Okay, so so obviously, folks don't get that. Yeah, we get nothing. Yeah, get nothing. And so today, we're going to talk about some very specific stuff um, that doesn't include everything about travel, but, but certainly, if people heed this advice, they're going to fly more comfortably and be more effective when they're traveling. Yeah. And all we're going to do is make some basic recommendations. There are people, uh, one person one time wrote that, that uh, our podcast was too basic because everybody knows that you don't check bags. And then we discovered hundreds of people who were listeners who were at vice president level says, no, I've always checked bags. I wondered, you know, and they found out magically they didn't have to do that. So this is going to be very basic. If you're a very frequent flyer, you may find this is too basic for you. And yet, our audience spans from kids at university and college all the way up to CEOs. And uh, there are some CEOs who don't know this stuff, particularly those CEOs who are CEOs of two employee companies. So we have four specific recommendations. And they all sound very simple, but there's it's helpful to understand the background behind them. The first one is pick a primary airline. The second one is join the frequent flyer program. And I still meet people who are not in the program. And it's just crazy, but okay. Number three, there are specific steps you should take to choose your primary airline every time you can. And then because we like to front load guidance whenever we can, we've left until point number four, our career tools, professional travel core principle, rather than giving you our underlying rationale for this and why we think this is important. We're going to wait until the end of the show to talk about that. And our professional travel core principle for Critchels will flow through everything we do. It already applies to the shows we've already done on travel, but it will continue to flow through in the future for all 
travel cast, whether it's air travel or ground travel or anything related to, to business travel, professional travel, our guidance will apply to all of it. Good. So let's talk about point one, which is pick a primary airline. And I'll, I'll tell you, I was 10 years in the workforce. This is after the Army. And I remember sitting down and looking at my airline miles and going, look at that. I, I almost have something with United. And, almost. And, and, and I almost have something with American. And, and I almost have something with Delta. Boy, if I combined all those, <laughs> I, I'd be a You'd really have something. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so um, I didn't get this initially, and and it's you know in that three hour tutorial I had with my boss, this is the one thing he yeah. didn't cover. <laughs> right, exactly that that fictitious three hour tutorial. Look, this is one of those things that people. I think there are people who say I had to learn it on my own, so you should learn it on your own. And I also think that most people have some insecurities about what they know about air travel in general, professional business travel, and so they don't want to tell people, and yet. Look, if you're a frontline manager, if you're a director, and you have some people who are somewhat new or haven't done a lot of travel before, and you should know you have their resumes, you say to them, hey, look, before you go, you know, three weeks before you go, if we're buying you a ticket, come by my office, let's sit down, let me tell you the 10 things I know about air travel that I do that'll make things easier for you. And frankly, they will think you're the exalted one because nobody's doing it. And then they'll be perceived as smart because they'll tell all their friends, wow, look at all the stuff I learned. And it made things so much easier. And here, here's the mistake I think people make with picking a primary airline, Mike. Too many people have a fundamental assumption about airline travel, which is wrong, that is exactly the same as their assumption about healthcare. And the assumption about healthcare is that your doctor and your nurse are responsible for the quality of your care. As someone who's a daughter, uh, who's, a, who's the father of a cancer survivor, my daughter Kate's a cancer survivor, the one thing I learned as we got fabulous care from MD Anderson and many other doctors and fabulous care from Fortis Insurance and many other places, just incredible, it was incredible, it was a Reader's Digest kind of experience for us. We learned that we were responsible for the quality of care that our daughter got. And for some reason, when people come in contact with systems that are fairly complex, and I don't know, maybe you'd argue with me, dude, but I think that the airline system across the world is fairly complex. They immediately default to that system does not respond well to management or interaction or personal needs. And they essentially default to the travel agent, the corporation, the company, my boss's secretary, whomever are going to be making my travel choices for me. And while in principle that's true at the margins, you can have enormous impact on it simply by picking a primary airline. And you and I have talked about this. The number of people you, you, you joke about it with the, you know, having a, a few miles on several different airlines. We're surprised at the number of people who haven't picked a primary airline. They know to make a, be, become a frequent flyer. And we, I mean, probably point number two, people laugh like, geez, why would I not do that? If I get enough miles, my company will pay for my spouse and I's, you know, annual Christmas trip. Yeah, that's, that's true, but it won't. The company miles you get won't if you've spread them across three different airlines because you haven't picked a primary airline. You basically don't cane the status that airlines give frequent purchasers. And basically what people tell us is, I thought the company chose for me and I didn't have any input. And what ends up happening, folks, is the company chooses based on the best price. People tell us they don't have a choice. And then we meet somebody at that same company 
and they're an elite status traveler on one airline, that elite status gives them all kinds of benefits. And what's more, it gives their employer all kinds of benefits. This is not a selfish recommendation. The fact you get in a better seat, the fact that you get a guaranteed seat, the fact that you don't get bumped, even if it did cost $5 more on a particular flight to Des Moines or to Seattle or to San Diego or to Bangor, Maine or Boston or whatever, is absolutely worth it to you and your company. The fact that you can get a flight on the last flight, get a seat on the last flight out, as opposed to incurring another hotel charge and getting in late to the office the next day is absolutely beneficial to your employer. And yet people think somehow it's selfish and the company doesn't care. And while it's entirely possible that your company is one of the few that doesn't care at all, the fact is the vast majority are set up to honor our choices regarding a primary airline. So no matter where you are, Choose an airline to be your primary airline and fly that airline no matter what, whenever you have the option to do so. And it was Mike alluded to, gaining miles on one airline gives us as professionals and gives our firms significant benefits that far outweigh the slight cost differences between fares. And it's worth it to us and to our company and to the travel agent, in fact, to make our preferences known. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's, that's why we say if you only do one thing regarding airline travel, this is our first recommendation. Choose a primary airline and make your preference known to those people who are involved in choosing, buying, picking your ticket. Okay. Now that sounds fairly easy, but I suspect that you're going to tell us that you know, just randomly choosing an airline is probably not the best way to go. So we got to pick one. Are you recommending we could pick one? How do you pick the right airline? How do you choose? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, look, we have some general guidelines. And if you follow our guidance, you'll either know what to pick or you'll have enough questions that to ask that it'll be pretty obvious what airline you should pick. First, let's talk about in the U.S. The first guidance we have for you is choose the airline with the most flights out of your closest airport. Okay. If you're near a major airport, that would likely mean that you're probably, not always, but probably at one of the major carrier's hubs or significant feeders, okay? If you're near Dallas, that means American, although it could mean Southwest. We'll talk about Southwest later. Houston is going to be Continental. Chicago is United, but frankly, also American. Atlanta would certainly be Delta. Boston would be American um, in terms of reach, but it's not a major hub. It is not a core hub, but it is a hub for American, just like Miami is. Charlotte is U.S. Air, obviously. St. Louis used to be TWA until American bought them out. And now St. Louis is a junior hub in the American system. Washington, D.C. and New York City are served by all the airlines in part because that's where money and power go uh, in the U.S. And to some degree, all of the majors fly into LaGuardia or Newark or JFK. In some cases, one, two or three. It depends. American's hub in New York City is JFK, but they do have flights into the other ones. Now, that list isn't meant to be exhaustive. It's just simply some guidance. If you're in D.C., it doesn't make any sense to make U.S. Air your primary carrier. Because what's going to happen is, in most cases, and there's some other rules like where your corporate headquarters is. If corporate headquarters is in Charlotte, then that makes sense. But it's unlikely that you're going to be able to get good flights and good times, and for that matter, good prices, um, if you're on U.S. Air out of Washington, D.C., as an example. If you're based in a city that's a hub for a major U.S. airline, make that airline your primary airline 
generally speaking, that's our first bit of guidance. Okay. So it's pretty easy for me because I'm in DC, but what about those folks who are not near major cities? For example, for you, you're in Fredericksburg, Texas. You're, right. you're like an hour, an hour outside of San Antonio. So, so. And an hour outside of Austin, right? Yeah. So how, so how do you choose when you're not near a major hub? What do you do then? Okay. If you fly out of a smaller airport, it is sometimes a little bit harder to determine, but, but with a little bit of work, you can, you can reveal the best choice. Okay. San Antonio, as an example for me, is far enough out of the way not to be a hub for anyone, but it is where I fly out of. You couldn't really tell who the best is to choose from there. Right? There are flights on Southwest, again, Southwest is special choice. Continental flies out of there. United has some flights. Delta actually, I think, has a lot of flights. Until you realize, you couldn't really tell, until you realize there are lots of American flights every day, short flights, an hour-long flight every day into DFW, and that's the American hub. Look, if you're in Des Moines, and I'm making that up off the top of my head, I'm not saying this is true for Des Moines, but if you're in Des Moines and you have an hour flight into Chicago, you've got to consider American and United as your your choice. Um, and, and look, I'm a little biased toward American because it hasn't been in bankruptcy the way United is or has been recently. But if you prefer United, it'd be really hard if you can get a, a regional jet an RJ in, in, the, in the vernacular of the frequent flyer world into Chicago in an hour, you'd be hard pressed. Don't, don't choose Delta as your major airline, although there are some caveats, for instance, if your company is headquartered in Atlanta and you always fly into Atlanta. Okay. Um, I've lived in Fredericksburg for 20 plus years. I've always flown out of San Antonio. Most people, when they see where I live, assume it's going to be Austin because Fredericksburg and Austin are both in the hill country and Austin and San Antonio is not thought of being in the hill country. But I don't for two reasons. First, the distance on the ground is the same roughly from Austin to Fredericksburg or San Antonio to Fredericksburg. But thanks to the, the amount of time you spend on I-10, Interstate 10, between Fredericksburg and San Antonio, it's actually shorter to go to SAT than it is to ABI, the Austin airport. And American has many less flights into DFW from Austin than they do from San Antonio. Literally, San Antonio, it's every hour. So I chose American because of flights into DFW, which you can get anywhere in the world from DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, if you're on American. And of course, that then meant San Antonio. Okay. So a lot of times these flights from your smaller airports, and again, so what you do is you figure out where everybody's flying to. And, and look, you just, if you need to, we'll tell you some other ways, but another thing you do is when you're at the airport, look and see where on all the airlines, where their flight is. If you're at a smaller airline like Des Moines or Davenport or Rockford or something like that, um, you look where a lot of the flights are going to and you're going to say, Oh, look, 80% of the flights are Chicago or Denver or Seattle or San Francisco or San Jose, whatever the case might be. And you're going to say, Aha. Okay. So then whose hub is that? And you're pretty well there. Now, Sometimes the flights from those smaller airports are flown on regional airlines. They're separate from, but essentially they're captive or feeder airlines to the major airline. Please don't choose one of the smaller airlines as your primary airline. That doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, become a member of the larger airlines club. In fact, the smaller ones generally don't have clubs that are separate from the larger ones, but just in case somebody thought there might be. Obviously, American Eagle which flies in a lot of places in the U.S., is obviously likely a feeder for American Airlines. Delta Connection, obviously the same way. If one feeder dominates from your airport, choose the major airline they're associated with. 
They're going to coordinate their schedules with the major at the hub they fly into. Baggage handling. Uh, again, we're making it probably a bad assumption for many of you that you're mistakenly still checking bags, or we're assuming that you're still not, or you're no longer checking bags after our cast about how to pack a rollerboard carry on. I am actually home in Fredericksburg recording this, but in the course of the recent 14 day or 12 day trip I was on and the trip I leave on day after tomorrow, I, I think it's a total of like 40 days in a row where I'm home for four of them and I will not check a bag at any time. But look, baggage handling is much easier if you're not switching airlines. The moment you switch an airline, baggage handling errors go way up. The, the statistics are incontrovertible on that. So if you're a smaller airline, smaller airport, look at the feeders and then join the, join the Freaking Flyer Club uh, or choose your primary airline based on which uh, large airport, hub airport is most likely to be flown into. It's possible there are some I didn't research. We did not research every single city in the country um, because we know we trust our listeners and members to to uh, make good choices. But it's possible there are th- there's some smaller airlines, particularly in the east, where you would get to in an hour, you get to Atlanta, you get to D.C., you get to Charlotte, and then you think, wow, okay, which one would I choose? We'll leave that to you. And there are some uh, there's further guidance we have about uh, other factors that may uh, play into it. Right. And look, and if you've listened to all this guidance and you're still not sure which airline to choose, there, I mean, there's other ways to get to get guidance. I mean, first, oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, first, ask whomever you book your travel in your company. If it isn't you, ask whoever it is, and they'll tell you which airline best serves your local airport. And which, whichever airline best serves your local airport, that's a pretty good candidate for your primary airline. Yeah. The other thing you could do is you could ask a travel agent, right? And frankly, you know, Gail Weiss at Contemporary Travel has been our travel agent for years. It's been my travel agent for 15 or 20 years is so good. It's, it's, I mean, I'm spoiled, absolutely rotten. Gail is brilliant. And if you want to contact Gail, please let us know. And if you don't have a travel agent, um, we recommend you get one. Uh, Career Tools recommends that a relationship with a travel agent, they're good at what they do so that you don't have to be, and then they can help you in a pinch in a lot of ways. Look, Orbitz and Expedia and many other travel sites are fabulous, but fundamentally, folks, the web is a disintermediation strategy for airlines designed to reduce their cost and cost reductions usually mean service level reductions. The use of airline websites and the web in general for airlines, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not against their, their concept at all. It's a smart thing to do, but the purpose of it is to reduce cost, not to improve service. Right. Um, they would argue that they're, they're improving service because they're reducing costs for everyone, and that allows them to serve more people more effectively. Right. Well, that's generally, those systems are generally not set up to give you the greatest service when you're in trouble, when things are going wrong. And, and yeah. therein lies the problem there with the cheap Yeah, problems. exactly. When you get reduced cost services, there is a commoditization that goes on in your relationship with a major airline and many other uh, service providers or, or product providers that simply means that when things go wrong, when things are outside of the norm, because web systems are built for the masses and not for every possible situation, when things go wrong, you won't be able to get out of problems as well if you choose a cheaper option earlier. Okay. So, so anyway, okay. So our point there is consider a travel agent. Okay. That's our recommendation. And 
if you talk to a travel agent and look, if you don't know what to do, call two or three in your area and see, um, you don't need to be close to them. I've lived in Texas for the last 20 plus years and Gail has lived in Long Island and in Pennsylvania. So you don't need to be close to them, but ask your local travel agent or a travel agent you're interested in, uh, forming a relationship with which one they would recommend based on their experience. And they're not going to steer you wrong because it, they, it will make it easier for them if you choose the right primary airline based on your situation. Yeah. And if you don't want to try that, you could go to one of those aforementioned travel sites that we just went through, try several bookings, and then see which airline or feeder provides the best service to your location. You could do it that way. It should be pretty obvious. The co- and, and now you're going to find the costs are, the cost differences are fairly negligible. I mean, the airlines are constantly trolling other sites, and pricing changes ripple through the air, the, the airline industry pretty quickly. Nevertheless, um, you you should be able to tell to some degree. And then the last recommendation, I think you mentioned there were four of them. Look, just ask one of your associates in the office who flies a lot. Right? Don't believe someone who always seems to be around. <laughs> who tells you to get frequent flyer numbers from all of them. Yeah, okay, technically, sure, get frequent flyer numbers from all the airlines. Nothing wrong with that. But we have found over and over again that professionals who talk about being members of all airline frequent flyer programs are not multi-million flyers, and they have a bunch of miles spread across a number of programs, much like Mike was alluding to. Um, right. You know, I'm exactly on the other end of the spectrum because, because for the last nearly 20 years, my entire business life has depended upon the airlines. And I joke with the airlines, charge me more. I don't care because I have to go. And it's become the commuter bus, if you will, of the modern world as the world has gotten flatter. And because of that, I have lifelong status on American Airlines. And they move heaven and earth for me. And when I traveled recently with my sons on a family trip, we all sat in first class, and I didn't pay anything other than coach fares. Yeah. Um, so a, t- a tip of the hat to American Airlines for the years of service I've had with them. I love them. Well, we should state the obvious here, right? But the whole point of picking a primary airline is the accrual of rewards in one program. And the rewards that come with those points or miles – it's not a, it's not a straight line. It's a step function, right? Yeah. If you have 25, your point, if you have 25,000 miles in three different programs, that'll get you one free ticket with lots of restrictions associated with each one of them on three different airlines, which is not good for you and your spouse if you want to go somewhere. Uh, Bob Crandall, the former CEO of American Airlines, not well loved by many people in the airline industry, but nonetheless considered a genius by airline marketers. Bob Crandall came up with the idea of the frequent flyer program. And folks, if you play your cards right, your company's requirement for you to travel, the vast majority of companies allow you to accrue frequent flyer points to your own personal benefit. And it's a perk for, for professionals and for managers and executives alike, and you can fund your Christmas trip every year with your spouse, and if you fly a lot with your children as well, if you'll simply pay attention. To us, that's just a a no-brainer, and it doesn't take a lot more than listening to this cast to figure it out. 75,000 miles, as opposed to 25,000 on three different airlines, 75,000 miles on one primary airline gets you elite status, gets you three free tickets on one airline, 
which quite frankly is the air part of an air and hotel vacation package, which with some of the, some of the prices you can get on from hotels uh, are such that it's really an incredible deal. It gives you several free upgrades. And look, if you happen to get lucky and you're on a unflown leg of a flight and you get a free upgraded first class when you're not expecting it because you request it every time and you get it and they serve you a free drink on your way home or you get a nice seat and you get to sleep for two and a half hours in a comfortable chair rather than, you know, if you're 6'4 like me in an uncomfortable chair and coach. What is wrong with that? And look, to me, the biggest one is it's you're, it increases your ability to get on a flight in a pinch. If you're not doing this stuff, if, if you work for me and you're not doing this stuff and for some silly reason, I don't talk to you about it. And then I find out that you didn't manage it well. Look, I'm not going to take it out of your hide. I'm simply going to raise an eyebrow. I wish I could, but I can't and say, what are you thinking? You know, why not manage that to the best of your ability? And it wouldn't do well to be a well thought of professional or junior manager or even director and say, well, I didn't know that I had to assign a primary airline. I didn't know that I would, that the company would authorize, would allow me to pick American or Delta or United or whomever uh, more frequently if there's a $5 fare difference so that I could benefit. And I would say, well, you know, sorry, but I thought everybody knew that. And partially that would be my fault, but I would raise an eyebrow and say, how smart can you be if you didn't know that? Right. Now, we've been focusing primarily on U.S.-based carriers, but if you're an international listener, then you know most likely their national airline is where you live is what you're going to be looking at. So in Europe, there's a lot, great deal more competition than there used to be. But you know, if you're in Germany, it's Lufthansa. If you're in France, it's Air France. If you're in the UK, it's probably British Airways. And, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. On and on. Now, look, we do need to make a special point about Southwest Airlines in the United States. We have to argue against it based on the premise of this cast for three reasons. But we look, we love Southwest Airlines. If you're a fan of Southwest Airlines, we tip our cap to you. It's the best managed airline in the United States and arguably in the world. One of my brothers, Hugh, is a pilot for them. He speaks as highly of the company as the press does, and that's no mean feat. So I don't mean to anger my brother, Hugh, uh, although he knows I never fly Southwest, and he doesn't seem to give me a hard time. It is an incredibly well-managed airline. It's totally to be admired. But the fact is, folks, we're not picking stocks here. We're making recommendations to our listeners about the best way to travel professionally. The caveats you'd hear from us are well-documented regarding Southwest. They won't transfer bags between airlines. If you start on Southwest and check bags, you're stuck if you want to go to someplace Southwest doesn't go. Because they don't fly some places you might need to go, a normal business traveler, say Atlanta, they don't fly to Atlanta, or Washington, D.C., and this is 2009, it's hard to recommend them from somebody who might have to go to the top 10 business locations in the U.S., which I think would include Delta and Washington, D.C. Now, they do serve Baltimore-Washington International, what's called BWI, which is ostensibly between Baltimore and Washington. But those people who fly into BWI and then have to drive to D.C. hate it, uh, based on what I know. Second, regarding uh, Southwest, they're much harder for companies and agents to work with. Now, folks, to be clear, this is part of why they're cheaper, and they are clearly routinely less expensive than their competition, but the cheapness is a negative relative to most of business travelers' needs. And look, finally, one of the most coveted benefits of frequent travel is upgrades to first class and priority seating on planes, neither of which Southwest can offer. If you're seated in row 21 and you don't get premium 
uh, uh, you don't get on board the plane first and you have a rollerboard and a briefcase, you may get there. If you, particularly if you get there a little bit late, you may discover that the, that the overhead bin above your seat is full, even on a scheduled carrier where you get to pick your seat in advance. But you can't do that in Southwest. It's based on when you check in. And, and I believe they're making changes there, but, but they're not rolled out yet. So you can't get prioritized seating. You can't get the seat that you want. And that makes a difference to many people who travel quite frequently. Look, they frequently serve many secondary locations, which in principle is good. But then in order to get from A to B, you have to go through C, D, and E, making stops along the way. And it's not clear when you book a flight that you have to make those stops unless you know exactly how long flights from A to B take and then do the math and discover, gee, that seems like a very long flight, even though Southwest calls it direct. It technically is direct. It just makes stops in two different places. It's not a nonstop, but it is direct. Look, I love the company. They fly a lot out of San Antonio, but I've flown them on I, – I think I've been on a, San, a, a Southwest plane only once in my life. And I'm frankly, now, because of the choice I made 20 years ago, thankfully, I'm at such an elite status at American, I never travel in coach. And I rarely pay more than almost anyone else listen to this for a ticket. And yet I seem to always, as I say, always end up in first class. So, And Southwest doesn't have first class. That makes a difference. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll conclude this show next week. In the meantime, have a great week. So long.